episode 285, Captain Marvel. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. My name is Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here to talk about a movie that two other people would like to talk about as well. And they are... Ladies first, ladies first, Samantha. (laughs) Well, I am Agent Tigger. Oh, I'm sorry, Agent Samantha. And I'm just plain old Tigger. I mean, Stuart. And we are here to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, this podcast. We have done almost 300 episodes. We are creeping up towards 300 episodes, just talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And there are moments in time where we say to ourselves, wow, this is this is Marvel Cinematic Universe at its best. Avengers, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, something special happens. And why is Captain Marvel so special right now? Well, there's a couple different reasons, but one of them, it was the return of Agent Coulson. And I'm yes, just, it was. just going to say that that makes this movie a very special movie for this podcast because this podcast exists because of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Phil Coulson. And that's true. Yeah. So we'll talk about how much we liked seeing him, and we'll also talk about how well they used him later. But for right now, how are you guys doing? Got to see a movie in the theater. That's always good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so here's the deal. We're going to talk about this movie without spoilers first. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to play the spoiler organ, and we'll talk about this movie with spoilers. And yeah, we'll go from there. But to start with, I wanted to hear about your theater-going experience as you went and saw Captain Marvel. So, I don't know which one of you wants to start, where I can start, I guess, as well. What? What did you start, Ben? Okay. My theater was full. This was Thursday night, 7 o'clock show, and we had to sit in the second row because this theater was full. Now, if I hadn't had – if it hadn't been the, the what, six of us – we might have been able to sit up higher, but yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. And does your neck hurt? No, well, not now, but I, <laughs> I can't stand sitting in the front row. I saw a hook in the front row when it opened, uh, when I saw it on my birthday, January 1st. And that was fun. And then I saw traffic in the front row and got sick and had to leave. I saw Star Trek 2009 in 3D IMAX front row. That was Ooh. awful. Oh, that's felt that like was this. awful. Yeah. Not the movie. No, I enjoyed the movie. I just wanna... 3D. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's so big. You had to like look from side to side. Yeah. And, yeah. So what was your experience like, Stuart? Um, I actually saw it last of the three of us on opening day. Again, uh, we did this when I saw it in, I saw Avengers Infinity War on opening day and I was still the last person to see it. So, um, but yeah, so I saw it opening day 
um, was able to sneak away from work for a few hours and go enjoy myself. Um, and it, I had a good time. The theater wasn't super full, but again, nobody got up when you would, because they're in a Marvel movie and they shouldn't, and they know better by now. It's been 10 years, uh, but nobody got up and left and they laughed at all the right things and got excited about all the right things. So good theater going experience. How about you, Samantha? Uh, let's see. I saw it on Thursday night, the day before it was supposed to officially open. Um, and I think the theater, well, my theater recently remodeled. So now we have the nice recliners and, and such. Um, so there's a little bit more elbow room. Um, unlike when I saw, um, infinity war almost a year ago. Um, and I think it was 85% full 75 to 85%. Um, and, uh, it was, I went with my boyfriend and, um, uh, we cheered when the tribute, uh, came up for Stanley and we laughed in all the right places. Um, everybody stayed in the theater when the mm-hmm. credits rolled. Um, and that was a great experience. And then I saw it a second time just a couple days ago or no, I'm sorry, not a couple days yesterday. And half the people left <laughs> during oh, the did. second screening. Yeah, yeah. Huh. When the com- uh, the credits started running Thursday night, like same for my theater. No one moved. Mm-hmm. No yes. one moved. They knew. Yeah, and there was a lot of cheering in my theater, especially the Stanley stuff. Yeah, yeah. Especially that, um, which we'll talk about when we talk spoilers. But, um, but Stanley tributes. It was good in this one. It was good I, for a couple different yeah. reasons. But are are we talking about that yet? Yeah, I mean, oh, if, if someone wants, well, this is the non-spoiler section, you know. So if someone wants to go see it, I think it'd be nice to experience it without being told. Yes, I agree with that. And yeah. you should go see it. And if you haven't seen it yet, of course you're going to see it. It's a Marvel movie, and you're listening to a Marvel podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Opening weekend was 153 million uh, from the states, and globally 455 million. <laughs> um, I can't believe that. Uh, so that knocks out. Now we're talking about um, the, the comparison. Comparing this to female-led movies, um, Wonder Woman had 103 million for her first weekend in, in the United States. So this beat that out by $50 million. Um, now there's a couple different reasons that could be for that. One of them being people didn't necessarily trust DC because of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of the other movies that people didn't like. Um, so that could be one. And the other is I can't remember when, when wonder woman came out, uh, in the year, but I think it was like May or June. Okay. Because Captain Marvel is kind of coming out here and there's not a lot of competition. And it's what I'm hearing about the box office right now is it's really sluggish uh, for this the last few weeks. So Captain Marvel actually was a uh, nice boost to theaters, I think. Unless you read the article I read, which said uh, superhero fatigue, Captain Marvel's the worst opening performance for Marvel movies. I'm like, (laughs) no, that's not right. (laughs) Your your facts are skewed there, paper. Yeah, well. yeah, because I mean it's it was low for Friday, I think. 
that, and that may have been it. Yeah. But with, you know, and then the next article I read or the other article I read is the number one movie in the world is Captain Marvel. <laughs> yeah. It may have been a little bit lower as far as ticket units go for a Friday, but this is a movie that really opened on a Thursday. And you would have gotten a lot of the fans going on Thursday, like like the super fans and people like us. Are we super fans? I guess we could say super fans. I guess I don't I'm know. not a super fan. I, I, no, I just know I'm a fan. <laughs> That's right, Stuart. You weren't even there on Thursday. How can you call yourself a super fan? How dare I you? I am actually what, what might be called as a bad fan because I only went on opening day. <laughs> <laughs> and didn't go twice or on and the didn't day before go twice. it opened. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think that's, uh, but truly, I think that might be a, a thing, right? Where we've conditioned people to go, you know, I remember waiting in line to see something on the sneak preview night, which was the night before. Now it's mandatory to go to it, you know, and I'm, and I'm playing around, but, you know, I remember when we did Infinity War, I was at Disneyland and I'm going to keep saying that. And then you can, I, I guess I need to start a jar or something, but like, no, I wasn't no, going to say it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to leave, you know, to go to the Thursday night showing for whatever reasons, but I, I was able to get to the Friday night showing. And so now you're kind of almost considered not a super fan or not a fan. If you're not going to the Thursday night ones, uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I would disagree a little bit with that because there is, there's been a lot of, good progress about not telling someone they're not a fan. That's yeah. me. You know, yeah, that's true. And, there, and there's been a lot of progress. Out. I mean, we're, we've gotten to a point where this, all this stuff is super popular and with all the new fans who, you know, I was joking with my kids about how they don't know anything with the comics. You know, they haven't read the comics. They, and they don't care to right now because the movies are all they need. Are they fans? You bet, you know, and, and so we're kind of getting past that point where the – I won't call them the super fan, but the snobby fan is a lot less vocal about saying, well, you're not really a fan because you don't read the comics. You don't know the source material, mm -hmm. and I'm the only one you know, who's really a fan here because I know everything. Um, we're finally getting past that to where it's like, hey, we're all enjoying stuff, and we can yeah. enjoy this stuff together now. You know, let's, so let's do it. And I will say that that I'm the one putting this on me, not necessarily from the or in fact, I haven't heard anything from pretty much anyone. I'm just sort of using my past experiences as an example. Um, but yeah, I haven't actually been called a not a bad fan. I only jokingly, right? Yeah, jokingly um, right now, I'm definitely calling you a bad right. fan. Yes. Yes, yes. yes. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, <laughs> right now. And I think it's really unfair to say if you don't go on Thursday night um, because you have a life, you have a family, you have a job. I mean, those things come before fandom stuff. Well, so. I make the time, so I must be a better <laughs> fan. Than, uh, no, for this one, though, I could not have gotten away without going on Thursday for this one because my kids, they yeah. are now a part of that opening movie experience and they they want to do it. They want it. And especially a movie like this, uh, where and Endgame will be the same. It's a little different for Captain oh, Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> for Captain Marvel, for my kids, it was Captain Marvel is a girl, and 
and that's cool, you know, because you know, I have three teenage daughters right now. Mm-hmm. The same problem – well, it's not really – this. I have three teenage daughters and they're really excited about Endgame because of Tom Holland. That That's why they're Uh-oh. excited for Endgame. <laughs> of course. So, <laughs> so it's, I guess it's the opposite problem. Like this one, girl power, and that one, Tom Holland. Um, <laughs> yeah, so – uh, thankfully, they know that that he survived them game, right? Because they saw the Far From Home trailer. Oh, they were so excited to see that on on the big screen. That was pretty cool. I saw I I saw the very very beginning of the End Game trailer, and then all of the um, the Tom all of the Far From Home trailer, and then I forget what the third one was, but I didn't care. Oh, about you guys it. got the Far From Home trailer in your theaters? Yeah. 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 Oh, they yeah, we didn't see that. We did see the Endgame trailer, but not Far From Home. I don't remember the Endgame trailer. I'm sure that we had it. We had to. What's funny to me is there's a possibility that this movie could be playing alongside Endgame when it comes out. Oh, it's not a possibility. I think it's a guarantee. Yeah. I think it's a guarantee because, I mean, it's only, what, four weeks, right? Something like that, yeah. It's I mean, really oh, soon. It's, April, it's, four April, weeks? it's like April 24th, yeah. Okay, okay so a little more 20... than four weeks, but I mean, right. Aquaman is still in theaters. Four, yeah. five. Yeah, we're about six weeks out. Yeah. yeah, so we probably will still see um, Captain Marvel build next to Endgame. Well, Black Panther was uh, yeah. along, alongside yes, uh, uh, Infinity War. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, it's Captain Marvel is doing well. Um I'm I'm surprised how well, honestly. I expected it to be solid, but not necessarily breaking certain records. Um, but I do know there was a lot of people who were predicting it would not do well at all. And so we're going to talk about this for a minute here. Uh, Stuart, you and I talked about this a little bit already in the last episode. And yep. if, if anybody wants to hear about that and doesn't care about Punisher, last episode – most of the episode we talked about Punisher toward the end of the episode. I, I preached a little bit. Um, I got, I took my <laughs> headphones off, uh, you know, in, in the way that Daniel used to do. So yeah. if you're, if you're jonesing for that a little bit, like I was, yeah, like, you know, that's would, what I did. Daniel could sense when I was about to go and, and he would, yeah. Announce that he's taking off his headphones so he can go and wash the, the car or something. But um, <laughs> so we have talked about this a little bit, but I feel like we need to talk about it a little bit more, especially now that we've actually had the opening of the movie. And, mm-hmm. um, and that is the, there, there's a lot going on with this uh, outside of the movie theater and outside of the, the movie itself that you've got review bombing happening on Rotten Tomatoes and, and in internet movie database the review bombing was kind of cut off a little bit before the movie came out because those places were able to kind of say, yeah, you didn't see the movie. You're just, you're just doing this. Um, but then after the movie started playing in theaters, uh, suddenly you're getting thousands and thousands of really bad reviews. And yeah, so that's, that's one thing. Then there's people calling out Brie Larson for being sexist and racist, Um, then you have people calling out and I gotta be careful because the guy, he's not here to defend himself and I'm not going to quote him, but I am going to refer to him on our Facebook page, calling me 
uh, sexist and a racist because I support what Blee, uh, Brie Larson said um, about wanting diversity in reviewers. Uh, I still I want to have honest conversation about this. And if there is more that she said than what she said in her um, award acceptance speech about um, about I mean, she basically said, I, I'm not going to thank people because I want to call it to attention this problem that. I started noticing that on my review, my, my press junkets and, and movie reviews tend to be these 40 year old white men. And I would like to see what other people are saying about movies like a wrinkle in time, which is made for people other than 40 year old white men. And she did have one unfortunate word choice. That is what they latched onto. And that is, I don't care what a 40 year old white man has to say about a wrinkle in time, because I want to hear what uh, biracial teens have to say about it. And, you know, so she started talking about what she wants to, she should not. No, let me rephrase. If she didn't want people to latch on to something, that's the one thing that they latched on to that she could have left out the part where she said, I don't want, because as soon as she said that, then people are saying, oh, she's racist and she's sexist because if she said, I don't want to hear what a black man has to say about, then you wouldn't allow that, you know, and I don't want to hear what a woman has to say, you know, and just completely removing all nuance, all context, and just not looking at what the meaning is behind what she's saying and instead looking at an almost unfortunate word choice because I don't find any problem with it. The word choice itself is not a problem to me. It's, it's just well, not, it's, I it, mean, if you're looking I, for something, yeah, you found it. Good yeah. job, buddy. You know, taken out of context, but yeah. I mean, I personally don't want to know what a dog has to think about Captain Marvel either. Cause we all know it's a pro cat movie. But (laughs) (laughs) I think I saved that, by the way. Yeah, 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 that was nice. That was good. I don't know if you were intending that, but kudos. We'll never know. Yeah. Um, But this is my point, right? She's saying, I don't, I mean, yeah, she probably could have said it a little bit easier. But at this day and age, people are taking lots of things out of context and and ascribing motivations when there's no motivation there. Yeah, I think that's that's just the and case. And it's unfortunate yeah. is what I'm saying. This whole thing about what she said has turned into people saying she's now saying she doesn't want white men to go to see Captain Marvel. That's what people are quoting her as saying. Can they find yeah, it? No. When they're asked specifically, can you please show this to me? Because I can't find it. I'm then called a liar that I didn't look hard enough instead of being shown where it is. Yeah. And that point exactly. It's it's not just that she's – her words are taken out of context. It's people are misquoting her completely. They're warping what she said and then creating something new that – never existed that came out of her mouth mm-hmm. and it's unfair it, it's cruel uh and in that context yeah it can be racist and sexist itself kind of coming back on her not not kind of we it just is yeah 
about. My whole thing was I was ignorant about this whole issue. I didn't know what was going on until I started seeing my friends talk about it. And so I started looking into it and I'm not finding any of the things my friends were talking about. And I have a feeling they weren't finding it either. They were just seeing what they wanted to see, not finding the truth. Mm-hmm. And, and that was really frustrating to me and, and, and disheartening as well to, to see that happening. So, but, but if I may, Stuart, I don't want to know more about what 40 year old white men have to say about this. Samantha, I want to hear what you have to say about this because, because you're the lady in the group, you know, and that's why we brought you on to welcome to level seven is because we had things coming up with themes that were specifically aimed toward and about issues that women have to deal with more than men, much, much more than men. And that were out of our context, mine and and Daniel's at the time. And that's why we, we found your voice. It was a good voice. It was a really intelligent voice and it is and, a good voice it okay, is a sorry really i was using the past voice. tense because that's when we made the decision look, was in the look. past but um but that's why we did that is because we recognize there are people who bring other perspectives to the conversation and one of the things that the guy on facebook said was there is i don't believe that anyone has anything extra to add based on their their gender or their their race and that's wrong that is that is 100 percent wrong because your gender and your race inform your experiences and your experiences inform your perspective and that is why diversity especially as we're talking about in the arts is important and so samantha what do you have to say about this i'll stop mansplaining for a moment here (laughs) okay (laughs) Well, first of all, I will say that Ben Avery is not racist and he's certainly not sexist. And there are things going on in my life outside of this podcast that Ben has been super supportive about. And I would like to publicly publicly say, well, not just Ben, also Stuart and the other guys uh, in the podcast. And I would just like to publicly say thank you all so much for making me feel so welcomed and so comfortable being here. Um And I was not following along online in the beginning about what was going on about Brie said, supposedly said these racist and sexist things. Um, But the day after I first saw this movie, I went on Facebook and I said, um, oh, I'm going to have to pull it up now. (laughs) Um, I said something along the lines that every time since Wonder Woman, every time there is um, a superhero movie or a sci-fi movie that is has either strong female characters like in the new Star Wars movies or it's it's female led uh, superhero movies that there is a backlash um, about the fact that women are being uh, put into the hero roles. And then the next day I see all of this talk about how Brie Larson's was saying these things that after a little, just a tiny bit of investigation turned out to be so not true. And uh, so it just comes to show that we are in fact seeing exactly what this movie is trying to stand up against, yeah, which is yeah. a lot of um, you can't do it. uh Uh, basically a lot of misinformation 
that's being uh, by some treated as fact. Um, so like girls can't throw. Okay, I will honestly admit I cannot throw a ball to save my life. But that's not to say I don't know women who can. There are plenty of women who can. Uh, there are plenty of women who are capable of, you know, flighting or, or flying fighter jets. And there are plenty of women who are actually there are now more female uh, medical students uh, in school than there are men. Uh, so women can become doctors. Women can become scientists. Um, and it, that's not to cut down on uh, men. Um, it's And one point that, that Captain Marvel does say and makes clear, it's not that women are better than men. It's just we are just as capable to do so many things as men. And it's not fair to cut us off at the knees. And I think it's fair to say that men and women, generally speaking, are different. We are mm -hmm. not equal in the sense that we are same. We are equal in the sense that we are human. But you're exactly right, Samantha. I mean, the themes of this movie, um, I hadn't even thought of it quite that way other than in general terms. But yeah, the specific themes of this movie do speak to exactly what we're looking at here. And I also think that they speak to the themes in the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, I oh, was yes. thinking about this just a few minutes ago. I, uh, this might be a spoiler, so cut me off if I if I start veering into it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, at the end of um, Infinity War, he pages Captain Marvel, and we all knew who it was, right? Well, why didn't he page Captain Marvel at the end of, uh, uh, like at the beginning of, of the first Avengers movie. Well, right. probably because he had a Norse God helping them. So he put his face in <laughs> the war <laughs> among the other heroes. in the Avengers Right. I mean, I, I guess my, I guess my, my joke in all this is his version of a, an emergency and my version of an emergency are very two different things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and who's to say he didn't? You know, although, I mean, they have – there's a comic book uh, that's a prelude comic book to Captain Marvel where it does get into a little bit like should we call, should we not. But who's to say he didn't set it off and she just couldn't come because she was out in space doing her space hero thing yeah. out there, mm -hmm. you know. And then I she checked know. in later. Yeah. Oh, we're good. You don't have to come in. Yeah. She's uh, like, Don't worry. Thor helped us. Thor is real. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. And um, Thor's like, a real friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's um, not a good boyfriend, I, but he is a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, and, and to say that um, to put her on, you know, an equal par, I, I say that her, her skill level is on uh, her power set is on par with uh, Thor's uh, powers and uh, character-wise, I'd say she's on par with uh, Captain America, and you can cut that out, cut that out too if you feel it's too spoilerish. I walked away from this movie feeling the same way I did when I saw the first Captain America movie. I I love Captain Marvel. I love Captain America for very similar reasons. You know, they're they've got very similar character motivations. You know, they're just trying to rid the world, rid the galaxy of bullies. Mm -hmm. They don't like bullies. 
Um, and so I absolutely feel like she fills those shoes um, very well. I have a, a similar reaction. I walked out, though, with a little bit of a lighter step than with Captain America. I'll agree to that. This one had me laughing more. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm just going to go there right now. The music is from the 90s. Oh, I yeah. thought it might be yeah. too cheesy. And there are moments no. that are cheesy, but they were the right kind of cheese for me, man. And so this was almost like if you take take the first Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. mix it with Captain America, mm-hmm. the first Captain America. And that's kind of the tone you get with this movie here. Yeah. But then market it to people who grew up listening to 90s music rather than late 70s, early 80s music. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> because like I. I love the Captain. I love the Guardian soundtrack, but this one is practically. I somebody said it. I think it was you, Samantha. I have all of the soundtrack on CD anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, actually, I realized it's not just CD. I recorded a lot of music off of the radio. The radio. Just- <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, That's like, yeah. yeah. So for me, though. It, there, it was a lot of nostalgia. I smiled, you know, don't, mm-hmm. don't go chasing waterfalls comes on. Oh. And I was like, Oh, and, and no doubt comes on at a perfect point in the movie. I'm just, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that. But all the, all the, the music, even the stuff I didn't necessarily like, <laughs> like I'm not a big Nirvana fan, but it's perfect. It's well, done well. I have a problem with that one, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, the thing is, I listen to the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack a lot because that style of music is in my regular rotation now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not because of nostalgia, although maybe it is. But, I mean, I was only in the 70s for six years. And and two of those years, I didn't know language, you know, or whatever. But, <laughs> um, but the 90s music, I tried – the you know, Friday, I'm in my office, got my Spotify going. And I'm like, I'm going to listen to some 90s music now. And I started listening. I was like, oh, I can't really do this. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's the big difference for me between Captain Marvel and Guardians of the Galaxy. Is well, yeah. admittedly, there's a lot of '90s music that is not so good. <laughs> no, you're right. But yeah. Anyway, I mean, I, uh, I, KG I, comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just a personal preference <laughs> on Apple Music, um, they have a uh, Captain Marvel playlist, songs from the movie playlist. Um, and and it, it will tell you what's already in your library and what's not, right? Most of that was already in my library. <laughs> 90s music is so totally into my rotation that, that uh, like, you know those guys who never got out of the 70s who have a mullet and they drive like a Camaro, right? I'm the kid who never got out of the 90s. <laughs> well, I, I'm talking to you now wearing my a flannel shirt, you know, like... <laughs> I don't wear it around my waist anymore, ever, because my waist is a lot different looking than it was when I was in college. There's a little bit of a belly that flops over the the tie, (laughs) uh, the tied sleeves if I were to do that. But um, point being, yeah, it was fun to revisit the 90s. I'm not going to stay there very long, though. I'd move in. (laughs) After seeing this movie, I'm kind of upset that I threw out my Blockbuster video card. I would like to point out that the one blockbuster video left in existence is in Bend, Oregon, and I'd like to give them a shout out. Yes. 
So let's talk more about general likes and dislikes. Uh, I mean, this is basically your time to give that spoiler-free review of the movie um, and tell people who haven't seen the movie what you thought about it and if you think they should go, Uh, which I think for all three of us is a resounding, yes, we think you should go, especially if you are listening to a podcast about Marvel. If you haven't seen it yet, um, we're going to talk about spoilers momentarily, but I think you should go. So in this... In this sort of section, I, I like to think about it. Do you need to see it in the theater and do you need to or could you wait to be, you know, video home viewing <laughs> if you absolutely had to? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the three of us obviously have to see it in the theater because we're talking about it. But I would say that maybe it's not as must see in the theater as like Infinity War. That being said, if you don't see this in the theater, I don't know that you're going to be able to see it before Endgame because of the release that's, schedule. That's true. So that that's something to be said. Um, and there's very there's one specific person I'm talking to, and you know who you are, and I've already told you this. So, but yeah, I don't know that you'll be able to to wait for it to get to home video before you see it in the before you see Endgame. So, in that, maybe you should see it in the theater, but. I, if this was just on its own, I don't know that you'd have to see this one in the theater. Uh, my nephews did ask my my daughters if they needed to see this movie before Endgame because they were trying to decide between this movie and How to Train Your Dragon 3. And I think you could skip this movie, watch Endgame, and come back to this later if, if that's what you need to do. But um, – I've kind of changed my thoughts about how do I, how do I review this? You know, is it a movie you need to see on the big screen? Is it a movie you need to see on your TV screen or will it be okay on your phone? And (laughs) it will be, it will be okay on your phone. If you're waiting for Netflix, it'll be okay. But there is some pretty fantastic effects going on. And there's some really interesting and cool sound design happening that makes a theater Mm -hmm. experience a one of the the best ways to experience this movie it'll be fine yes it'll be fine on your tv it'll be fine on your phone um but the theater experience is a special experience i didn't see it in 3d did you guys see it in 3d no no okay all right i don't know what it'll be like in 3d but um yeah that's that's where i would go first and then i would say um should you see it because it's a good movie yeah this is a really good origin mcu movie this is a fun movie and if you like guardians of the galaxy if you like dr strange even um i i mean dr strange ant-man if you're thinking about some of these post avengers origin movies they've done this is right up there and and just as fun as as those movies and clean i mean the i think there might have been a little more language than ant-man and the wasp but it's a clean movie. Um, there's some violence. There's some death. There's some um, there's some really strong thematic things saying, you know what? You have power. You should use it. Because that's, that's kind of what the theme was to me as I'm watching it. It's not so much you can get power. It's you have power. Use it. And don't be afraid to use it. Yes. This is the kind of movie... I was hoping it would be for my daughters. They enjoyed it. They liked it. 
Captain Marvel, I asked them, Captain Marvel is not their favorite female MCU character. Um, one of my daughters said that uh, Simmons is. One of my daughters uh, was talking about Peggy Carter being her favorite. We haven't even watched her show yet. We're getting there. Um, but just Peggy in general from the movies. Um, they talked about they don't like Black Widow at all. <laughs> so there's that. But um, but the the point being um, they liked the movie. They liked her. And it was the movie I was hoping it would be as far as they were concerned. And I have issues with it. And there's, I even have issues with how the theme was kind of presented a little bit that I would have liked to have seen it done differently, but that's personal preference stuff. That's my personal style of, you know, storytelling and arc and stuff like that. It worked well though, especially if you're looking at the theme as you have power, use it, Mm -hmm. which is something that speaks to women and men, but it was definitely put there for, for women. So are you saying it speaks to women and men, or are you saying it speaks to humans in general? Yes. (laughs) You know, uh, last night my boyfriend and I were talking about this movie, and he said that he did not feel like he was being being hit over the head with a feminist agenda. No, He felt like it was just another superhero movie Um, and another superhero on the rise. Um, This is just another origin story, really. Um, and there are some feminist undertones, but it was primarily just another origin story. Well, well the, 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 it was feminist uh, overtones or undertones based on if you define feminism as, uh, you know, not this not politicized thing, but a, a human thing. Because yes. there's there's whole there's political agendas that you could probably bring into this very easily if you wanted to and if you're looking for it. Well, and um, the other thing was there, for whatever whatever feminism messages there might have been, it was all organic. Um, at one point, you know, she she stands up for herself and says, you know, I don't need to explain myself to you. And that has nothing to do with like, you know, audience members that has to do with her talking to the person she's talking to, you know, and and that's totally reasonable within the story context. You could take her out of it and put Robert Downey Jr. in it, and it would have been the same context. I mean, I think he did even that same thing to Obadiah's... What's his Stain. name? Yeah, I think he did the same thing to Obadiah Stain. At one point, he was like, I don't care what you think, you know? Um, so, the, 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 the feminism things, themes that were there, were there organically. Um, and I don't know if I'd even classify them as feminist, but yes, the, they're I mean, still uh, there organically. I agree with you. We talked general likes, general dislikes. There were things I didn't like about it, and it's my same complaint I have for um, Ragnarok and and for Guardians of the Galaxy. There are times when it's just too goofy. Uh, it goes a little too goofy for me. Um, if you've seen the trailers, you've seen some of the spots where it was a little too goofy for me. And uh, we'll talk about it in the spoiler section. But um, but overall, any any issues I have with this movie are really drowned out by, by the good and by the smile on my face as I'm watching and the fun I'm having. And then after the movie is done, I didn't sit by my daughters in the movie. Um, but after the movie was done, hearing them talk about it and them enjoying it. Did, did they not want to sit with dad? No, we had to, <laughs> we had to, 
we had to sit according to who is sharing what drink. Ah. <laughs> uh, so. Okay. Yeah. You shared um, one with Evan, didn't you? No, I shared one with my son. That's probably the better yeah. choice. <laughs> and then Evan sat on my other side, so that meant there was no spot for one of my daughters next to me. So my my daughters were sitting next to my son on the other side of him, and they were sharing a different drink and more information than anyone needs. But yeah. <laughs> right. Um, as far as general dislikes, I don't know that I had any. Yeah, it may have gotten a little bit goofy and a little bit uh, splainy, but. I can't remember what they what that is. I don't remember a big roll my eyes like my my famous my go to one in that situation is Avatar and the Unobtainium. As soon as the guy said Unobtainium, I was like, "What the heck?" But I don't remember anything like that. You're either with it or you're not at that point. Yeah, (laughs) right. Like I was, I'm I'm down with Avatar. Like I get it, and I think it's fun, and you know, it's a good world and all that sort of stuff. The only I just that one word, <laughs> my only problem, and I don't have that in this movie. So let's yeah, Captain Marvel, two thumbs up. Okay, um, my dislikes. At first, I disliked. Um, I felt that Brie Larson was playing the character a little stiff, but then on the second viewing, I realized that actually it's it's a acting choice mm-hmm. because uh, verse. Or Carol, as you want to say it, in the beginning of the movie, um, she's not playing up to what a human woman would should behave or would normally behave in Western society. She was playing as a Cree woman in Cree society mm-hmm. um, and as a warrior. So she may mm-hmm. have come off as cold and a little bit rigid, but really there was a lot of humor thrown into her character, too, at the same time. But it was just very subtle humor. So that actually turned from a dislike to a like. Um, the de-aging of a couple of the characters, um, I actually found it to be verging on the Uncanny Valley a little bit. Yeah, I um, I'm, that. S- I'm still not quite convinced that um, uh, the that kind of technology is perfected yet. Uh, and I think it's going to take a little bit more time, but I still think that for what they had, they did a pretty good job. They did better with Sam Jackson than they did with, with Phil Coulson though. Yes. We're going to circle back around to that. Um, yeah. In the spoiler section. And, and I would throw one more thing that I'm not going to talk about here specifically. Uh, but in the spoiler section, I will. And that is, there's a couple continuity issues that I had with this movie because information that was shared on agents of shield that isn't reflected here. Okay. I'm just going to leave it at that. But, um, it wasn't enough for me to not like the movie again. No, it wasn't enough for me to not like the movie. Anything else, or are we ready to play the spoiler organ? I think I hear the spoiler organ. I want to hear the organ. You know I love this organ. I know you love the organ. (laughs) And and when I suggested that we not use the organ, um, I could could (laughs) hear. That was a wrong suggestion. I could hear you, Samantha, from across state lines uh, (laughs) saying, don't do that. So. Spoiler organ. A thousand miles away, you heard me. (laughs) (laughs) And. Well, the, the suggestion was actually not to take away the spoiler organ, but to change the organ song. But oh, yes, yeah, we're keeping it. We're keeping yes, it. Yes, leave it as it, it is. I Here love it, it. Okay. 
Spoilers. 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 All right. And we will not be talking spoilers for Endgame and we'll not be talking spoilers for Homecoming, mainly because we don't even know what spoilers are going to happen for Endgame and Homecoming. (laughs) But we are going to be talking spoilers for this movie. And I would like us to start with Stanley. That's that was pitch perfect. When I realized the logo was flying in and it was um, Stan and all of his cameos. I, I, I might have teared up a little bit, but it's pitch perfect. It's absolutely 100% the right move. I don't know if they're going to do it for Endgame. I don't know if they're going to do it from Far From Home, although I, I would hope that for like this year they do it, for these three releases they do it, um, especially because Stan, Spider-Man was very close to his heart, right? So I'd hope that they sort of included him on that. It was really nice. I think to do it again... I don't know. It might feel like pandering to me, but based on the reaction in the theater, I don't think it would feel like pandering to other people because it was cheers, cheers in my theater and Mm -hmm. and hooting Mm -hmm. and hollering and clapping. So, so let me ask you this. Did you guys think he was going to show up in the movie? I did because Mm. I thought I had heard that he would. Oh, yeah, I, I knew it was possible that he could show up because when they were filming this movie, he was still well and alive or well enough and alive. And they had done what four? I thought so. Yeah. And yeah. so I cannot uh, I can't tell you when they stopped because I don't know. But I was expecting mm-hmm. a, a cameo from this movie. Um, I was not expecting that opening. That was really cool. No, I was not expecting and, that. And, and kudos to them for keeping that under wraps. To be completely honest, but probably one of the easiest secrets to keep, like, right. <laughs> like no one's asking questions about the, the logo. opening logo. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I like that. And I, I wasn't expecting his cameo. I guess I'd lost count of the four that James Gunn filmed or whatever it was. Um, so I was, I was glad to see his cameo later on. Uh, okay. Well, the cameo. He cameos. This is the, if this is the last one, it's the perfect one for me. It is because he cameos as himself. Yes. Yes. And so I, the mall rat script. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I loved in that. The MCU. Then we have to cover it. <laughs> I'm not, not a fan. Not a fan of, honestly, not a fan of Kevin Smith in general. Yeah, I know. Um, Mall Rats, uh, I saw it once. Eh. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's had better movies. And you don't have to, because that's that's what I call a six degree of MCU, and not Marvel case or MCU. Better or worse, it is a quintessential '90s movie that Stanley was in. Well, yeah, it's Stanley in the '90s. I mean. Right. In the 90s, Stanley was was doing that kind of thing. Um, he was, you know, he was still the, the front man for Marvel, but not as much. And he was branching out and showing up in that movie was kind of cool. That's probably the one highlight for me in that movie was, oh, hey, Stanley's in this movie. <laughs> and it was perfect for this. You well, know, that, 
if we're going to the nineties, then yeah. It, and, and it worked well for their marketing, right? Because they had all of the nineties marketing, you know, they had the, the 3d picture that I couldn't see. And I was looking <laughs> for the stupid boat. Um, you know, they, they had all of that sort of stuff, right. That, that if you were a person who was keyed into pop culture in the nineties, these are all very comfortable flannel shirts that you're putting on. Um, and so I, I liked that Stanley. Well, duh. Of course, I liked the Stanley was in there, but I think it was very appropriate for him. So, anything more about Stanley before we move on to the next thing I'd like us to talk about? Mm. I'm sad Stanley's gone. That's it. Yeah, sad. It, it's bittersweet. Of course, it's the end of his life, and he lived a nice long life. So, so thank you, Stan. Yeah, he changed a lot of people's lives. He and he. He helped people uh, enjoy life a little bit more because of what he did. So, uh, okay, let's talk someone who I also feel like has helped me enjoy life a little bit more. And that's that's Agent Coulson. And so <laughs> Clark Gregg is back. He's here. And after we saw him last in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the end of season five, uh, we don't know exactly what's going to happen to him. But the implication was he was going to go on to that beach with May. And live out the rest of his days. Live out the rest of his days. I, I have to be careful because I know now my daughters are listening to the podcast and they <laughs> don't know what's going to happen. Um, but they're probably going to listen to this episode. Um, and and they asked me to do this. So here it comes. Shout out to Ellen and Laurel and Amelia. <laughs> there you go, girls. Hey. I've done it. And yeah. So anyway. Um, Coulson. Girls, Tom Holland really is cute. And if I were your age, I would be crushing on him too. Just saying. But as a dad, I have to say the dude is 23 years old. <laughs> He's 23 years old. If he actually showed any interest in you, we have to have a lot of different conversations. Oh, true. So. Yes. The least of which is you're going to date Spider-Man. Cool. No, because he's 23. Okay, let's move on. Okay, I agree with Ben. <laughs> um, Coulson. Uh, yeah, Uncanny Valley, I think, is definitely a term I would use, Samantha. I, I mean, okay, so hold on. One, the Uncanny Valley refers to when you do computer-generated modeling and you are trying to replicate human things artificially. Yes. Uh, it also refers oh, to okay. robotics. Like that, right. the term actually That's, comes from robotic studies in the seventies. Right. Right. Neither of which applies in this situation because all they did was gel his hair. No, I disagree. No. They smoothed out his skin. They did. Yeah. They smoothed his did skin. They really smooth mm -hmm. his yes. skin? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And it just didn't look as good as as Sam Jackson, who's 70. No. Mm -hmm. Sam Jackson is 70 this year. Well, I'm just talking about Shaft. <laughs> and he's in a Shaft movie. There's another Shaft movie coming out. There's another Shaft there movie. There is. And mm -hmm. That's the nicest thing you've ever said. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. But yeah, uh, Richard Roundtree is in it as Shaft. Uh, and then Sam Jackson is in it. And some guy that I don't know that I probably should know and, and the young people know. This is also going to be the third movie called Shaft. So... <laughs> Because I actually, I mean, 
not to get too much off topic, I really liked the Shaft movie he was in. I thought that was really well done. Um, and so I, I love Sam Jackson as Shaft. And I, part of why I like Nick Fury is because he brings that sort of Shaft to this. Um, yeah, absolutely. Maybe not this movie, <laughs> but in general, Nick Fury brings Shaft. Uh, we can um, talk but, about that in a moment too. But. And I have to confess, I have yet to see any Shaft movie. So the one with Sam Jackson's good. Well, okay. I have okay. to say, and and Stuart, help me out here a little bit. But he is one bad mother. Uh, Shut your mouth. mouth. I'm just talking about Shaft. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I would have liked to have seen more Coulson, and I also feel. Uh, a little bit of disappointment because it feels like the movie people aren't watching the the TV show. So, so explain this. What do you, what do you, what are you referring to? Well, Phil once said that uh, Nick Fury recruited him out of high school. And, you know, in this movie, uh, Phil is the new guy and still doesn't know if he can trust Sam. And I mean, maybe I should do some math here, but he didn't look like someone who was just out of high school uh, in, in this movie. Well, 1995. Hold on. I mean, that is, that is 25 years ago. Almost. Here's my argument to that. Yeah. He may have recruited him out of high school, but it takes a long time to get through secret, you know, shield boot camp. I agree. I mean, my younger brother is now a Navy chaplain. Uh, and he was just recently commissioned, um, as a full-time chaplain in the full-time Navy. Um, and it took him 10 years, uh, from the time he made the decision to get through school and do all of this sort of, um, uh, training in order to be commissioned, uh, for a while he was commissioned, um, at, in the Navy reserves. Well, okay. So Clark Gregg was born in 1962. So let's assume that he is about that same age in the MCU. So 55. So he would have been 33 in 95. Right. He would have graduated high school in in about 1980. I'm going to say this is just a goof. It's definitely a goof. And leave it at that. And um, I'm going to forgive it because... In a universe on screen as huge as this is, you're going to come across it on occasion. It's not nearly as bad as the um, Spider-Man Homecoming. How so? Uh, eight years, they have that title card that says six years or eight years or something oh. like that, and it doesn't line up. Did they fix that later? They talked not about fixing it with a timeline, but it's on the screen. Yeah. Okay. And then they put it in the book, and they were sort of fuzzy about it. So Okay. Then that was a major goof. I would say this is more of a minor goof unless they get more into Coulson's backstory. Well, that's just it. I mean, we're talking about one line in an episode from season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so am I being nitpicky? You bet I'm being nitpicky. This is (laughs) super nitpick, right? No, a minor goof. Is that Goofy's kid? Move on. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, let's move on. (laughs) It was really fun to see Colson on the screen, though. See him on the big it was, screen. It was. Yeah. And he took his glasses off. I was like, yay, Colson's back. Well, was that moment Colson? <laughs> That's another question. 
Um, can we talk about all the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. connections first? Sure. Okay. No? So, what? Uh, let's see. I got the power inhibitor on Versa's neck, or Carol's neck. Which I think sp- probably an accidental connection, though. Accidental? I think so, yeah. Because it, it didn't look exactly the same, but it was about the same size, and it, it was in the same location on her neck. And it was Cree using it. And it was Cree. Yeah. So that's consistent from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And as far as I know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. brought that a little device into the MCU first. Am I wrong? I'd say you're right. Okay. Um, okay. And Dr. Lawson, or Marvell, as we learned later, um, she wrote and took notes in Cree glyphs, which we saw Coulson use in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. Um, the Quinjet. Okay. We saw the prototype Quinjet. Mm-hmm. And then we saw the um, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. era Quinjet. And um, I also ran the style of Quinjet by my brother, who is um, uh, almost a savant when it comes to, to aircraft. <laughs> and he said it looks similar to an A-10, uh, which was an experimental plane in the 90s, or the uh, Grumman 698, uh, which is goes back further a few decades um and it has a lot to do with the huge engine um up high above the body and near the the tail so if anyone out there is an aviation nerd there you go (laughs) and then of course there was agent fury who was level three in this movie Oh, he was only level three. I missed that too. It was on his ID. Cool. So still climbing the ranks, making his way to oh. level 10. <laughs> I wonder who was head of shield at this point. I don't know because Ben Mendelsohn was taking the place of a, a higher up in shield, but okay. Yeah. But I, I, I couldn't tell if they were actually suggesting that he was the director. Mm hmm. That may just be information that we don't have quite yet yeah. um, as official to the MCU. So I think the most important thing, and this is not in the outline, but as we're getting into details we liked and disliked, I think the, probably the, the most important thing to talk about right now would be um, Goose. No, not Goose. Uh, Captain Marvel herself. What mm-hmm. did you think of, of Brie Larson playing this character? And knowing that we're going to be getting her for a while here. Well, like I said, I, uh, I feel like, um, she had a lot of the same qualities that Chris Evans did in the first captain America movie. Um, and, and not necessarily Chris Evans, but she's written very similar. Let's call it that. Um, I feel like she's got a lot of, she could carry the MCU on her shoulders. Um, she's strong. She's well acted, well portrayed, and Brie Larson is kind of a just talking about Brie Larson. Yeah, you know she's she's on it. She's got it, and she can carry it. And I've got no problem, and I'm excited to see what she does in Endgame and moving forward. Yeah. 
And um, I already said how I feel about her acting and in this role that at first I thought she was a stiff and then I watched it a second time and realized that no, that was just her choice for this role because she was coming actually from a Cree perspective and not a human perspective in the beginning of the movie. Um, and uh, Jan Rog, who was played by June, Jude Law, in the very beginning of the movie, he says to her, nothing is more dangerous to a warrior than emotion. Humor is a distraction. And um, which emotion and humor, um, those are frequently uh, qualities that we do find in heroes across the board. Um, so certainly MCU heroes. <laughs> yeah. And he was, and he was trying to basically, uh, to train the humanity out of her. Um, I think that's right, what he was because, trying to do. Because the implication being, if she were to embrace it, she could kick all of them mm-hmm. to the curb, which she did, which yeah. she does. And, and that's one of the twists that it, I think redefines the beginning of the movie. And so I haven't Mm -hmm. seen the movie again to see how does this redefine the relationship between him and her at the beginning? Because at the beginning, it does seem like he is genuinely helping her or trying to genuinely help her instead Mm -hmm. of what's really happening, which is he's trying to look like he's helping her, but instead he's trying to hold her back and, and trying to keep her in check and keep her great power in check and, you know, they have the lie of the inhibitor where it's, you know, this is, you know, what can be given to you can also be taken away. Well, what's been given to her is limitation. And, and but yeah, they are they are presenting limitation away. as as power, as mm-hmm. gift. I, I want to I, I do want to see it again in that way to see, OK, how does this look before the twist? How mm-hmm. does it look before we understand that the people we think are good aren't the one problem is we knew some of these people were bad already because the Cree are bad. <laughs> and uh, and what's his face from Guardians of the Galaxy uh, at the very beginning, you know, the first scene of Guardians of the Galaxy, you have the one guy who is on their team. He's a bad guy. Ro- Ronan um, the Destroyer, right? Or- no, uh, not no, Ronan. Um, Korath. Yeah, the, the guy who's, you know, I'm Star-Lord. Who? Us Cree, Sinke. Yeah. yeah. He's on, um, he's on so I'm thinking, and this is just oh, me headcanoning it, um, and it it may be shown later as consistent. I, I don't know this, but this is just me speculating that right after they obtained uh, Carol and started making her think that she was Cree, um, I'm wondering if in the beginning that um, because she didn't have didn't know how to control these powers, that maybe she caused a lot of damage, possibly killed people. And that's why they put the inhibitor on her. Um, and they noticed that when she had a, in, an emotional response, that those powers became um, more powerful. Um, so they may have been c- controlling her in that aspect, too, just simply as a safety measure. Um, but at the same time, I think they were also trying to control her and her powers. Uh, for their own use. Right. Cause ultimately that's what they want. They want her yes. power because her power is related to this great MacGuffin power that they are looking for. Um, mm-hmm. that somehow, uh, Lawson or, or Marvell, uh, was able to get from the strategic science initiative slash shield, uh, to use for project Pegasus. And yeah, which, 
what a great way to tie it into phase one and two with, with the, uh, infinity stones. Um, that the, yeah, <laughs> like it or not, an infinity stone is a MacGuffin in this, in this episode of the MCU. Yep. Right. Uh, yeah. That's, I, I'm, I'm very curious to see, this is not a spoiler for anything. I'm curious to see how this plays against, um, Thanos, you know, how she goes up against Thanos because she's the walking embodiment of the space stone of the Tesseract. She got hit in the face with Mm -hmm. it. Right. So if she goes up against one, what does that look like? I'm going to say it looks cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think we could put some good money on that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 The other thing I really liked with her is the theme that was happening with her, which it happened in the, we saw it in the trailer, this theme of getting back up, getting back up, getting back up. Yeah. And the way it played out in this movie um, where she's being told, don't get up, don't bother, don't try. And like I said, you know, a lot of movies are about discovering the power within or learning to use the power within. And, And so there's nothing new here, but that's, that's what it is here is, is to say, you know, what we talked about already, the theme being, um, you have power, you know, and, and use it, drop the shackles, you know, get rid of the, the inhibitor and, and bust loose and, and cut loose. And, and she does, and you get that, that fight scene on the ship set to no doubts. I'm just a girl that, once the once the guitar riff starts at the beginning, yeah. I started laughing and I got a huge smile on my face and I was like, oh, a lot of butt is about to get kicked right now because of this yeah. song. And it was so much fun. So well, it, much fun. It was the same. It was the same effect that um, Thor three had when when he's got his lightning and he comes back and it's um, this the song from. Floor three. Oh, um, the immigrant song. Yeah. The immigrant song. Yeah. It's the same deal. So yeah, uh, I liked it the, too. The, not quite as epic because it's a lot. It, it just brings a lightness of tone where she is again, figuring out, Hey, I'm going to take these guys down and it takes away a lot of tension from the scene. Yeah. We don't, she's not going to get beat up with that song playing. You know, that's another movie. That's a different movie if that's going to happen. In, in this movie, it's happening. It's on. And yeah, it's it's just fun. Yeah. I really love that song because, well, it's it's a well-placed song. Because um, a lot of the themes of that song are, uh, you're keeping me down because I'm just a girl. Mm-hmm. And But you can hear in Gwen Stefani's voice that she's got a powerful... Um, uh, what's a good word for this? A, just a powerful will within her. And no one's been able to stop Gwen Stefani since. But the the song, what's interesting about that song is that you have the playfulness of the music. And then you have the power of her voice. Yes. And then you have the kind of lament of the lyrics. And yes. these things all play against each other and then play with each other. And and it's it's and- perfect for the moment here. Yes. And that's part of the Orange County ska, you know, type of movement that was happening in that in that area. Oh, yes. um, 
and and it's again what Ben just said. It's absolutely perfect for this movie, and it fits well within that '90s frame reference. Um, I have a nitpick, another nitpick, and that is Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nirvana in the last conversation with the artificial intelligence, which at the beginning when they walk up into the the place where the, the what do they call it the oh the supreme intelligence supreme intelligence. I I have flashbacks to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is, you know, deep thought as they're walking in and they're going to ask it the, the question. Um, but the Nirvana song, I, I had to look this up because all this stuff is in the 90s and all this music is from the 90s. But Carol Danvers disappeared from Earth in 89. And Nirvana wasn't on the scene until 92. This song from Nirvana was from 92. So you're saying that they should have played more 80s music. Well, no, I'm saying that for this scene, it should have been a song that she would have known from the 80s because she didn't experience the 90s. And this is her mind that is being brought into play here. She's seeing Lawson speak with the voice of the, uh, uh, the Supreme Intelligence. Or and rather, so, the supreme su- supreme intelligence speaking with Lawson's voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the song should have been something that would have been from 1989 or 88 or something. I, I I don't know of a better song choice to use. I'm just saying when that song started, I'm like, wait a minute, how does she know that song? Uh, the other stuff is fine, you know. Don't go chase, don't go chasing waterfalls. Yeah, that'd be on the radio. And yes, of course, Nick Fury is going to be listening to TLC in his car. <laughs> I think he's like in his Crown off. Vic. <laughs> yeah, in his Crown Vic. Um, Goose, I love Goose. Say, let's oh. talk about Goose. I loved Goose. Love the Top Gun reference. Did not like Nick Fury fawning over the kitty cat. I just didn't. It felt really too out of character and here i felt like oh, okay we're going for we're going for comedy here we're not we're not going for verisimilitude we're not going for real life uh, i think it went one too long i think it was done one too many times i agree um i think that thinking about nick fury's character yeah i think he would be more of a cat person but yeah, there was a little bit too much fawning over Goose. Um, you guys know I'm an animal person. I love cats. Um, maybe in my private time, yeah, I do get a little bit like that, but not as bad. And, and not in the not, middle of a mission. <laughs> no. Right, and not in the middle of a fight, right? No. So, so Goose does his weird squid thing, and then Nick Fury's like, oh, good little kitty. Like, no. Nick Fury was like, I'm not touching that thing. I heard someone say that they would have liked it more if uh, if the cat had actually been a real cat and the Kree were just afraid of cats uh, that they were <laughs> like that. But that is a comic thing. Uh, the, the, the cat with the alien insides or whatever. And uh, I think the cat was named Chewy in, in the comics. Say, is, it, is it named Goose in the comics? No, but. no. Um, didn't they do that in Doctor Who where there was a species that was terrified of cats? I seem to recall that from somewhere. It's possible. I mean, cats okay. really are something to be terrified about. 
Yeah, Anyone I mean, who reads cats. any Stephen King knows <laughs> you cannot trust any cats. Well, well, I mean, let's be honest. Cats are kind of jerks anyway. They can be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm no. playing both sides of the aisle now. Yeah. I said this was a pro-cat episode, but then I just said cats are jerks. So. Cats are on good behavior to get what they can from you. And and cats only do things for you because they want something from you. Uh, but they purr and make it <laughs> worthwhile. Were you okay with Goose being the cause for him to lose his eye, though? The scars were great. Like, yeah, oh, it's perfect because, you know, he has the three scars there. And, yeah, I think there's something to do with Wolverine in the Ultimate Universe uh, in the comics. But, you know, obviously they, they aren't doing that yet here. Uh, but but I, that's perfect. Those three claw marks right there on his eye. But then losing his eye. I, well, I don't know. I think the joke went on one to again, just a hair too much. Um, like the first time when he's with the, with the scroll Colson and he hurts his eye. Oh, he's going to, Oh, he didn't actually lose it. Okay. 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 But then at the end, they, they pushed it one too many times. Yeah. Uh, he, he just, well, cat scratch fever is a real thing and it can be very dangerous. And every time just as a PSA, if you are ever scratched by cat, first thing you should do is go and wash that scratch because uh, they do carry some really serious, sometimes bad bacteria in their claws uh, and on your on their paws in general. So anytime I would say anytime you touch an animal, you need uh, like as soon as you're done, go wash your hands. Um, and it is possible that from a flurkin or a cat, um, I'm going to say probably flurkins use litter boxes, too, when they need to. They, it, it is generally he should have washed his face and his eye. He should have gotten one of those emergency eye washes. Um, <laughs> I love um, the eye wash in in our chemistry class in high school. We used to do the eye wash just for fun. Yeah, I remember my high school chemistry class. We had that, and people would set it off, and then the fluid, the water would leak down into the library downstairs and ruin the books. So that was never fun. Um, <laughs> Because then they would have to close off the library um, because we also had a mold issue down there. So and it just made the issue worse. Uh, so the library would be closed for a couple of weeks. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in, in lieu of one of those fancy eye washes, I mean, just some saline solution from the store would work. Um, and welcome to Animal Tips with Samantha. Yes. <laughs> um, but. I mean, I, I liked that he lost his eye in a very unexpected way. But again, I, there was just a tad too much humor um, with Fury and this cat. I mean, they yeah, just one well, there was too a, many. There was, tad, there was a tad too much humor with Fury in general, right? Not just with the cat. I mean, he was cracking jokes left, right, and center. Yeah. With Carol Danvers, mm -hmm. with... Um, What's the what's the friend's name? Maria Rambo, mm -hmm. Rambo. Uh, I mean, they were they were cracking jokes all over the place. I think part of that was just because that's the way of this movie. But well, you can also look at it as um, uh, this is also a younger Fury before he became cynical. 
and and uh, didn't trust bureaucracy. I, I feel like the, there wasn't too much joking necessarily, but there was a little bit too much laughing at their own jokes in, in here. Like uh, they just – and some of the jokes that they were laughing at weren't that funny. But Brie Larson and Sam Jackson had great chemistry. Oh, I oh, would yes. watch a movie. I would watch a, a part of the what makes this movie shine is that chemistry yeah. between them. I mean, you say you'd watch a movie with that because we just did. <laughs> right, right, right. But I, I mean, again, Sam Jackson, 70 years old, can pull off comedy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm curious how um, Carol Danvers, uh, Captain Marvel, is going to play off against um, the rest of the Avengers. Um, oh, that's going to be wonderful. Yeah. Specifically, I want to know how well she gets along with Captain America, because, like I said, they do have very similar um, uh, hero drives before they do get their powers. So let's talk about her arcs, because there are two big arcs for Captain Marvel. And one is learning to use the power within. But the other is that she like she calls the Kree a race of warrior heroes. And bad guys and they kill people they're murdering murderers who murder and lying liars who lie not all of them obviously because you know not everybody is the same uh in every race but at the same time every cree that we come across you have good reason to be suspect of them and you know in in agents of shield we have we have cree and and in uh you know in in Guardians of the Galaxy, you have Kree, you have Ronan the Accuser, who is not a good guy. Art, now, now, okay, so is their military kind of like the, quote-unquote, the Accusers? Or or I kind of felt like the, the Accusers were some sort of, you know, SEAL Team 6 type of thing. Or, or Marine Corps or something like that. And I'm not saying that everybody in the Marine Corps is bad. I'm just saying that I kind of felt like the accusers were a special elite type of well, I think, I military think, branch. I think Jude Law and his team were kind of what you're talking about. And the accusers are more of almost a uh, uh, I don't know, a knighthood of some sort. But their role is to go and accuse and destroy and, and bring judgment down and you know so they're going around they're destroying entire populations jude law and his team are going on missions okay so the accusers are sort of like the inquisition yeah yeah Mm -hmm. okay well because in in guardians glenn close is talking to you know call it the Cree president for lack of a better term. And she's like, you got to say something. And he's like, no, no, this is a faction. This is a splinter group. Don't worry about it. We can't say anything. Um, so I kind of felt like while these guys are all bad and Jude Law is part of these guys, the Cree in general are actually maybe okay. That's, maybe yeah, I that's why I would say not the entire population. But they're the Cree who are out doing stuff are doing bad things. And the Cree who are maybe at home are like, well, we got to vote out of power. The people who are letting that happen or whatever. They're not they're not really doing anything about it because the ones that we're encountering and the ones that are coming to our world and the ones that are actually doing things are people like Ronan, the accuser. And Mm -hmm. 
and the team that we have in this episode and, and you know, the, the people in, uh, in agents of shield. And, and I don't know how much of this is a spoiler, but in the Thanos book, he actually hooks up with the Kree at some point and they're not jerks. Now they, he ultimately gets to Ronin and all that sort of stuff. That's when we first meet him in, in uh, guardians, but they're not jerks. And so that's kind of why I'm sort of bringing this up in that, not all career jerks. Some of them are, though. Especially if they work with and for Ronan the Accuser. Uh, any other details that you liked or disliked? Uh, I'd throw out there the space battle was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this is a really powerful character. <laughs> this is... Yes. Like, she's taking out these giant ships just by hand. And... Right. So I'm interested <laughs> to see, like, missiles. where is that going to go? And yeah, um, are they going to be able to create dilemmas for her that are going to be enough to make it so that the okay, the physical dilemmas for her are going to be very easy to overcome? Mm-hmm. It's going to have to be the moral and emotional dilemmas that she's going to have to deal with, like Superman, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, Superman in the first Superman movie. You know, he he flies around the earth and makes it go backwards. People don't recognize that the point of that is not, is he strong enough to do it? And is it, do we have, oh, we, there's no tension because he, he, he turned back time. No, the tension comes in. This is what his father told him not to do. And he has to choose, what am I going to do about this? And he chooses the human side. He chooses the emotion and goes against what his father said, which is, it is forbidden to interfere in the history of this world, but he goes back in time and interferes with the history of the world, what happened in past. And, you know, the, the moral dilemma and the emotional dilemma are what made to me now Superman interesting as a kid. What made him interesting was that bullets were bouncing off of him. And speaking of Superman, (laughs) Samantha, you had a, a Superman connection. Yeah. Um, there's a scene where, um, Oh, what, Keller, where uh, Fury was fighting um, um, the scroll who was dressed up like his boss. Um, well, during the, that that little scuffle, um, the clip comes out of the gun, and Fury gets a hold of the gun and he tries to shoot it at, at Keller and um, or was it Tolan? I think is the character's name. Was it Talos? The Cree. Uh, Talos, yes, thank you. Um, and there's no bullets, so. Fury just throws the gun at the guy, which if you've ever seen Superman in the black and white TV show, um, very early TV show, I think from the 50s, every time someone would shoot a gun at Superman, the bullets would just ricochet off of his chest and then the bad guy would throw the gun at Superman and Superman would duck. (laughs) And it was just the same sort of thing going on there almost. I didn't realize Superman would duck. He did. Because, <laughs> yeah, he did. Because the guy is throwing an actual, not an actual gun, but he's throwing an actual thing at a human actor. <laughs> right. So the bullets are effects bouncing off of him, but the gun, right. not an effect. <laughs> I don't want to get, I don't mm-hmm. get hit in the head with a gun. Not, I, I'm, I'm committed to this role, but not that committed. <laughs> uh, but, Stuart, you mentioned a Star Trek connection. Yes. And so actually, I want to hear if it's what I think you're going to say it is. 
Okay. So what is so, it? So let, let me back up a little bit. Uh, first off, one of the things that I really enjoyed about this movie was um, the fact that it was filmed at a, out at Edwards Air Force Base. And I'm actually from Southern California. I grew up there most of my life. And I actually, my mom was stationed at Edwards Air Force Base. Um, when we first moved to the base, we lived on uh, Test Pilot Row. I don't remember anything else about it, but when they first moved us on to military housing, the only house that they had was on this road where all the test pilots lived. And if you've ever, if you know anything about early aviation, Edwards Air Force Base is out in the middle of nowhere. Um, they tested a lot of these experimental airplanes. Um, Chuck Yeager broke the sound sound barrier out there. Uh, the the movie The Right Stuff is all about that. If you have not seen it, referenced in this movie, yeah, yes. referenced in this movie. She picks up the box. You need to go watch that movie. That's a fantastic movie. movie. Yeah, and it's all filmed in the Mojave Desert. Okay, so when I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, I know where that road is. I know where that road. I know where those big piles of rocks are. So when she's fighting Jude Law, I've been to that statue of rocks um there's another show that you might have seen um it's a little show that that samantha likes to watch a whole lot um called samantha buffy the vampires no <laughs> uh it, firefly so all the desert stuff in firefly was shot out at um in the in the antelope valley which is where edwards our first base is um in and around mojave uh California City, you know, Rosemond, all of these places. Unfortunately, she gets on her motorbike and drives to Rosemond. There's no sign. That's not even where Rosemond is. That's outside of Lancaster. But I'm just going to say that's not where Rosemond is. But uh, Rosemond also has um, China Lake, which is also, I think it's still open, but it's a naval air base. Anyway, all of that brought back great great memories of of me just you know that's where i grew up that's my little that's my hometown um my home area so i'm i'm very familiar with that and i and it was triggering all that sort of stuff so that was really fun the star trek references ben i'm sure you got it by now um captain pike in the cage uh references being from mojave california which is another sort of adjacent town to Edwards Air Force Base. Um, it is where Dick Rattan made Voyager, built Voyager, um, which flew around the world on one tank of gas. I think that's its killing to fame. Um, so that's the connection to Star Trek. That's the connection? Oh, yeah. That's okay. the connection to the cage? Mm-hmm. Not Talos? Oh, well, there's also Talos. <laughs> like. <laughs> You're watching the cage and say, oh, I think there's a Star Trek connection. And I was like, yeah, Talos 4 is the planet from the cage, which is also uh, the name in, of the, the name of the character. The name of the character. Uh, yeah. yeah OK. If. All right. I, I thought like, wow. Oh, so so what what Ben might have gotten is a very surface level reference. I dug deep. Folks. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you, Real you, deep. Went, yeah. you went deep. You went deep. No, well, but, but here's the thing: the connection there is just the connection to the to uh, 
to, yeah. to experimental aircraft. Experimental aircraft. That's, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, aviation in general. I mean, Top Gun was referenced. I, I went and watched Top Gun after I watched this movie. You know, the dogfighting in this movie is very reminiscent of Top Gun. You know, she throws up the 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 hang loose sign just like Tom Cruise does mm-hmm. in Top Gun. I mean, Goose is the Anthony Edwards character in Top Gun. Aviation and this movie go hand in hand. She was actually out at Edwards filming a lot of those scenes with the with the planes. Um, so I'm just, you know, again, it brought back memories. Samantha, what was your Star Trek connection? Um, the exterior of the door to the um, Pegasus um, facility. Mm-hmm. It looked an awful lot like um, the ex- the um, location where they, they filmed uh, for Planet Vulcan in the original series of Star Trek. Yes. Am I wrong? That's actually out right. at... Um, it's on I-5 going from the Antelope Valley again down into Lancaster or down into Los Angeles. And uh, I don't know that that was necessary. Vasquez Rocks. I don't know that that was necessarily Vasquez Rocks, but it's definitely in that same area. Okay. Okay. And am I wrong, or is that also the same location where they filmed the exteriors for um, Stargate the series? Uh, I don't know, but I know Stargate the series was filmed up in Vancouver. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, that I, was yeah, the I'm same wrong. location they filmed uh, the exteriors for the Flintstones movie. Okay. <laughs> nice. All right. Any other thoughts here in, in your notes before we close this down to talk about uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse post credit? Um, how long can a flurkin live? As long as it needs to. It's a flurkin long time. <laughs> Do we want to talk about any of the, the, the post credits for this movie? Well, the one post credit I hope is it's a, it's just a scene from the movie. I, I wish it wasn't. I don't, want, I don't want it to be. But that's what it is. Yeah, I know that's what it is. And he okay. also wants to argue about um, Fury's office. So here's my here's my wild speculation. Okay, note the time and date. I think the tesseract that Thanos has is a fake. Here's why: because I personally believe Goose puked it up post snap. <laughs> I am going to say, if that's if you're right, that's cool. And nice job. I'm also going to say you're not right. <laughs> but Stuart? Why you, why you got to rain on my parade? I, Stuart? Sam, why you got to rain on my parade? You, you know I'm going to rain on your parade because see, checking to make sure that same office, that was the exact same office as the earlier scene, uh, was one of my obje- objectives, objectives <laughs> when I went to rewatch the movie. And I can confirm that is the exact same office, the exact same set. And they did not change anything. I think the only difference was there were no humans in the scene and Fury's coffee was not on the desk. Other than that, it was the same office. And I would drop my mic, but it's expensive (laughs) and I want to continue talking to you. (laughs) And we're now fighting about 
desks and office chairs. <laughs> I mean, it's it's okay that you're wrong. It's fine. See, I think that I think that Goose hacked up the Tesseract just like a day or two after that one scene was filmed between Coulson and Fury. I mean, it could Maybe. be a couple weeks later, but I don't think that was in him too long. <sighs> I, I think we're gonna have to stop there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Once we start fighting about office chairs. I think we've kind of run out of things to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Um, another note I have is in the beginning of the movie when they kept referring to Carol as verse, I thought that they were saying fierce. It they sounded like that. It, it's Verns. Dan Verns. Veers. It's, it's Dan Veers. Yeah. yeah, it's Veers. Yeah. And that's the other Star Trek connection for me that brought to mind uh, V'ger. Uh, from Star Trek the Motion Picture, where they the the aliens who found Voyager right. looked at the the nameplate because there was stuff on the Voyager nameplate that covered up some of the letters, so they call <laughs> it Veger. And here's Veers because that was what's left of the dog tag that she had on her, and and the other half was at at home with uh, with Maria and Monica Rambeau, which I, we didn't even get to talk, get to talk about them. They were fantastic. I oh, love yeah. those characters. And Monica Rambeau is um, another Captain Marvel in the Marvel comics. Uh, I wouldn't about that. And and so <laughs> this this happened as we were talking about it on the drive to the theater. I was in in the Strangers and Aliens episode. Um, I'm like, oh, Monica Rambeau. You know, I think she's in this movie, and because the the other pilot is named Rambo, and um, she was Captain Marvel, and blah 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 blah. And then they start talking to her, and she's Maria. And I'm like, wait a minute, did I have it wrong? Did I have the name wrong? But then Maria Rambo is wearing a necklace that says Monica Rambo. And then later on, very later on in the movie, they they give they they drop the name finally. And the girl is Monica Rambo. And what does that suggest? Because as an adult in the comics, she's a superhero. And when's the next time we see Captain Marvel? It's 20 years in the future. Mm-hmm. For for Infinity War or not for uh for Endgame. Endgame. And we are looking at a possible uh, character that could come alongside Carol Danvers as another Captain Marvel of some sort with with Monica Rambeau. They may not, but, you know, the the opportunity is there. The The scene where she's helping uh, Carol figure out the costume, I thought that was really cool. It's cute. It's fun. It's cute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the perfect description of this movie. It's cute, it's fun, it's engaging. You walk out with a smile. I liked it. I I do know some people who didn't walk out with a smile, and I know some people who who saw agenda behind it. And at least the people who went and saw the movie and saw agenda and it upset them, at least they saw the movie and are engaging with the movie. And I may not agree with the agenda that they saw. But at least they're engaging with the movie and and what it gave instead of something that Brie Larson said a year ago. So, yeah. Final words about Captain Marvel. Go. Go see it. It is awesome. Go see it. And I would like to thank our Patreon patrons, Andrew, Jeffrey, Tassel, 084, and Anthony. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we before we wrap this up, we do have feedback. 
about oh, cool. Captain Marvel. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, I cannot get the mes- the message on Facebook to load. So we do have a message on Facebook that'll be next episode. <laughs> okay. But okay. Agent Nate wrote in uh, and he says, uh, hello, agents. Subject line. Sorry. Captain Marvel needs more Agent Coulson is the subject line. Hello, agents. Agent Nate reporting in for the first time in a long while. I've kept up with most of your MCU coverage. I haven't left any feedback since I helped reveal how the infamous hoodie doom was blocking messages on your website's feedback page. I'm not sure if to read this before recording about Captain Marvel, but I thought I'd contribute to the podcast again. I don't know about you, but I was disappointed. In fact, it was the first time since Iron Man 3 that I was disappointed with an MCU film. Solidarity with Daniel with Dandy Daniel Butcher. While it did have a feminist subtext, it wasn't prominent enough to hurt the film much for me, unlike, say, the infamous... Um, we're not going to get political. So <laughs> we've been there, <laughs> done that. Um, and so then he says, uh, it was the film's story problems that bugged me. It was okay until the last 30 minutes or so. Carol Danvers became so powerful that she was unstoppable. The filmmakers didn't scale up the villains to equalize her. So I, I was no longer invested. It wasn't exciting anymore. I've never felt like that with any of the other weaker MCU movies like Incredible Hulk or Iron Man 3 because the villains could still kill the heroes despite how strong they were. It was almost cringeworthy seeing Jude Law reduced to trying to convince Carol Danvers to fight him without her powers. This made sense when Batroc did it in Cat with Cap in The Winter Soldier, but here it just comes across as pathetic. And I'll just uh, insert my own thing here. Yes, it <laughs> does come off point. as pathetic. <laughs> yeah, that was the whole point. Uh, dude's pathetic that dude is pathetic anyway he says i'm not a fan of the continuity retcons this film adds to the mcu nick fury lost his eye because of an alien cat scratch lame carol danvers air force nickname inspiring the name of the avengers i'm sorry but that nickname was never mentioned at any point before the end of the movie so it wasn't earned gender swapping marvel i think was motivated by feminism and not good storytelling it was fine with ghosts and ant-man and the wasp because that character is obscure Marvel has a long and prominent history in Marvel Comics. Also, the second post credit scene was one of the worst in the MCU. I saw the hairball joke coming a mile away, and it took too long to get to the punchline. If it had been a scroll blaster and not the Tesseract, that would have at least been subverted by expectations a little. So those are a little of my issues with the film, uh, or a few of my issues with the film. Regardless, Samuel Jackson shines as fury. The scrolls being victims and not villains was a welcome and nuanced surprise, and the special effects were top-notch. But you know what would have really elevated this movie? More Agent Coulson. Sincerely, Agent Nate. P.S. Hashtag more Agent Coulson, please. And then he wrote back and said, one more thing. The best part of the movie was by far the Stanley tribute in the logo. Enough said. And yeah, just quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, they're all legitimate thoughts and, and, and complaints. I don't think most of them, I didn't really, they didn't really bother me. Um, except for the alien cat scratch uh, a little bit, you know, but, uh, and I did want more Colson, definitely, but see, this is what we're looking for <laughs> <laughs> opinions that I don't agree with, but that are informed by actual facts and opinion from experience. That's what we want. That's. Yeah. That was a really great response though. I, I do have to say I laughed I, I laughed until I cried watching um, uh, uh, the the hacking scene at the very at the end credits. <laughs> the amount of time it I, took, yeah. I, I deal with cats, and I 
I, I have picked up more hairballs and seen more cats doing that than I would like to admit. Well, and just, just and, and it's just as soon as he hopped up on the desk, he took this pose, and I was like, "Oh no, I know what's going to happen." <laughs> <laughs> so I enjoyed it, but I, I understand if uh, someone else's experiences um, are different, then I can respect that. If you, if you, if that's why you just didn't like that scene. Yeah. That's okay. Nate says if it had been a skull, a scroll blaster and not the test rack, that would have been at least subverted by expectations. I was partially expecting a scroll to get hacked up. Like, like, like an actual scroll body scroll that he ate from the battle. But actually a blaster would have been yeah. But I mean, we needed to know that the Tesseract came back up. So Yeah. 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 Well, it's unfortunate that um Ghost had to he had to wade through all the dust to hack up that scroll, that that tesseract. It's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Oh come on! Okay, fine. Okay. Uh, I wanted to thank Nate for the for the email. <laughs> yes, that was a very well thought out uh, email, um, and and that's the type of conversation that I that I like to engage in. And so, bravo to you, Nate. Yeah. Although I disagree with you. <laughs> I uh, yeah. Uh, and one thing we didn't talk about much that I really would like to talk about more, but we don't have time. This, this episode has been very long. And that yes, is um, Talos as a character. Uh, you talk about this being a, a feminist movie because Captain Marvel is the front and center. It's not just that, though. I mean, you got you got Fury doing stuff. You got other things going on. Talos, once you found out the twist, I really resonated with this guy. Because his motivation mm-hmm. is he just wants to be reunited with his family. And, you know, this is a this is a family man trying to help find his wife and kid and get them to safety. And that's he and he even says, I've done things that I, you know, he regrets doing um, for them, you know, for 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 this to happen, you know, and um, in the name of war and, and stuff like that. But uh I really like that character a lot. And it's a, he's a gentleman. He's a gentleman and, and he's a warrior. And he's a family man. Right. Uh, It's just, this is a, a, this is a, to me, a really good picture of masculinity. Yes. And yeah. As a warrior, it's a, it's a good picture of masculinity. Yeah. 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 Do we have a minute? Can I ask one question? Sure. How are the scrolls represented in the comics? Generally speaking, as bad guys. Uh, there's so, some good guy scrolls, but they're a Fantastic Four villain from early on, very early on, just shape shifting alien invaders. Um, but they're given some more nuance as time passes because you you want to make them more. And you got to uh, sell some books somehow. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So. It would be interesting to see if these guys were, you know, were changed later on in the MCU or if they remain the same. I mean, we're we're 20 years later now. Mm-hmm. So anything that happens in present day MCU, these scrolls are from 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, we could see Talos again, but a changed one. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I hope I hope he's not changed because I like this guy as he was. I mean, that moment that. They all turn around at uh, Maria's house, and he's standing there sipping from the to-go cup. I mean, that that really. I know it's probably the word, the wrong phrase, because he's an alien, but that really humanized him, and that made him relatable. That he was, he was just 
drinking from a to-go cup like well, so many other humans. It's also I it could be a callback to pulp fiction. It was. Okay. But uh, I, if I recall correctly, using having a, a villain do something like normal or supposed mm-hmm. villain like he was, um, it does yeah. make him relatable. Well, it also it also sets it up perfectly for going. Well, if he's not the bad guy, who is? So, yeah. And the answer is Jude Law. The answer is always Jude Law. No, but usually the answer is always Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> Like, let's <laughs> let's be honest here. So. Yeah, um, he, has, okay. he has a great okay. <laughs> history of roles. But anyways, we need to move on. We do. We do need to move on. We need to we need to um, get to the credits so we can get to the post credits. Uh, so <laughs> we've had final words, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. we have. So um, I do want to thank also one more person, and that is the podcast stylist, my, my personal stylist. Who told me just the best fashion advice I could possibly get? And that's that grunge is a good look on you. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 you can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcome to level seven or connect with us on Twitter where we're level seven pod. And remember, the seven is spelled out. Our theme music is Light Fantastic by JS Earls. And you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to level seven is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award winning and award nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. MX. And once again, thanks for listening. All right. So, Samantha, we got to uh, get to the punchline finally last episode where I asked, <laughs> hey, Stuart, have you seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse yet? And he answered with a yes. Um, so and then I was so excited to talk about it, but you hadn't. I you weren't there. cut him off quickly because... Yeah, you want to be part of this too. So yeah, let's talk about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I loved it. I loved it too. I loved it. Thank you for so much for listening, everyone. And okay, I have one. <laughs> I have a, I have another comics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good night. Is so real quick. Is is noir Spider-Man a real thing? Yes. I I am. You can't see this, but I'm going to try to find comics of him now because I love it. It's called Spider-Man Noir, I think. Okay, and uh, I'm pretty sure it's a limited series. And then he was also involved in some of the Into the Spider Verse stuff that they did as a comic book series before this movie. Okay, that was by far my favorite thing. This was my first exposure to Miles Morales, and Evan talks up Miles all the time, and now I know why. He's a really good character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, I believe I heard rumors that they were going to try to get um, Tobey Maguire to do Peter – is it Peter uh, – the first Peter or Peter B? Okay, so – they're they're talking about in the future bringing in Tobey Maguire to be another Peter. Oh, okay. And potentially, it could be Peter Parker from 
the Sam Raimi trilogy. I, but they wanted this movie to stand alone without that stuff. Okay. And so they actually were talking about bringing him in for this episode or for this movie, but they didn't. Right. Yeah. Cause they wanted and to they stand were, alone. And they were going to bring him in for the Chris Pine voicing. Maybe. Oh, okay. Maybe. Um, well, I don't know if they could because Norman had died at the end of the, of his first Spider-Man movie. So, and in, um, into the spider verse, we see Norman, uh, interacting with the character. I like to call Peter a, because it's a little, I just want to distinguish him, but, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I don't know if they could bring in Norman, um, unless he was from another universe, which is the thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so that's why you asked me, is it MCU Stuart? And I said, it sure could be. <laughs> it's not and, yet. And, <clears throat> and what's great about it is it could be, you know, 10 years from now, 10 years from now, they could, you know, the MCU could bring in noir Spider-Man and there you go. Mm-hmm. Although more likely it'll be um, Tom Holland doing a voice. Yeah. I would actually like to see a spider verse where you have um, Toby Maguire, Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland. Is that ambitious? I don't think it's too ambitious. <laughs> what I, mean, I- you got to think about it into the spider verse one best animated Oscar. So, right. And I mean, that's Ben asked if I, if, if I had seen it in the theater and unfortunately, no, I had not seen it in the theater, but Oh my goodness. I wish I had <laughs> because to see that, the animation on the big screen, I think would have socks blown off. Well, <laughs> there was a bit of a hiccup. With my screening, mm-hmm. um, I was sold a ticket for a regular 2D screening, and I think everybody else was sold a ticket for a regular 2D, 2D screening. But as soon as we got in there, it was clear that somebody made a mistake because um, I could see that this was meant to be worn with the 3D glasses um, because there were all the um, the stray red and blue lines mm. outside of the characters during the action sequences. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I still enjoyed the movie nonetheless. Well, but some of that might have been style. I mean, there's oh, there's a no, lot no. of interesting style stuff going on where I felt there, like because yeah. I did not see it in 3D. But there are moments where I'm like, is that 3D residue? And that's no, it's style right there. No, this, know... this was definitely 3D residue. It was clearly 3D residue. I and, noticed some of that, yeah. too, Ben. Um uh, even on my even on my home television, like I was like, uh, "Am I are my glasses dirty?" So I, I cleaned them. Oh no, no, that's fine. <laughs> they look good. So. No, I think the screening I saw was definitely somebody made a mistake in the projector's box and showed the wrong version. Which is, you know, it was all over the place. It was it was even in the non-action sequences, but it was most prominent in the action sequences. Stuart, Samantha, I've already had opportunity to talk at length about this movie i did an episode on strangers and aliens it's episode 294 if you're curious um but i am really curious just to hear your highlights and what you've what you appreciated about the movie about into the spider-verse um one big thing i really appreciated was and this was not um predetermined was just um the fact that stanley passed away shortly before this movie was released and then um, 
his cameo in Into the Spider Verse was was uh, him as a um, comic comic book mem- or a Spider Man memorabilia salesman talking about the death of Sp- Spider Man, and I thought that just happened to be by chance poetic. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing was the um, was the art, the the animation style just blew me away, and and I. Yes, I like the animation style. And see, I I loved every component. You know, the characters mm-hmm. hit well, the style hit well, the story hit well, the humor hit like it all just fell into place, making mm-hmm. it a perfect superhero movie almost. And a perfect and, comic book movie. In the, in the in the actual sense of the word, this is a comic book movie whereas like all the MCU stuff is comic adaptations, you know, adaptations of stories. But this is a movie that is a comic book. Yeah, it embraces the the medium mm-hmm. that the character comes from, and it does it, it does it well. First, it was a little jarring, like to see mm-hmm. you know the words appearing and stuff like that. But yeah, um, yeah, it just man, such a good movie. It's such it's a, a great good movie. movie. And it's a great movie. It's, you know, yeah. Best animated picture Oscar. Sure. Okay. Yeah. But at the same time, it's one of the best superhero movies I've seen. Ever. Well, it won best animated feature because this is definitely one of the best. I mean, this was definitely, um, well, to be fair, I haven't seen the other nominees, but it was, it was so well done from beginning to end. Mm hmm. Uh, this could fit into the MCU. It could MCU. It could not, and that that would be fine either way, and I would be happy with it either way. Um, and the writing was excellent. Um, it could have easily gone wrong, um, but mm-hmm. it didn't. Um, <laughs> Once you put a pig com- in there, you have <laughs> a very, very, very good chance of not doing it well <laughs> and Casting. doing it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the casting. Uh, Lily uh, Tomlin is Aunt May, and she plays a very sassy Aunt May. Which, if you have Lily Tomlin, you're that's what you're going to get. Um, though I'm sure she could play other otherwise, but I mean, that's I'm sure that's what they wanted was her to be sassy. Um, I'm glad we didn't have to have Uncle Ben. You know. Yes. Oh, speaking of which, but we did. Um, go ahead. I mean, you say we didn't have to, but we did six different ways. That's true. Like it, he wasn't there and it didn't happen on screen for us. But it was there in the sense of this is what happens to a Spider-Man. This kind of loss. Well, I guess I guess my point is I'm glad that it wasn't um, like the first Tobey Maguire movie. Yes, it was coming back for the first time in a long time and blah, 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 blah. And it had to happen. We didn't need it in the Andrew Garfield movie. We don't need it in in the Tom Holland thing. And I don't think we're going to get it, to be honest. But you know about it. Yeah. And I also like the the, the other one that they turned on their head was um, with great power. Don't say it. Don't mm-hmm. finish yeah. <laughs> that. You know, because that was good, too, because there is such a thing as superhero fatigue. And and we're starting. To, I think we're starting to sort of see that. And unless people keep pushing, you know, keep pushing that boundaries and sort of not discounting their audience, we're going to get it. 
And I don't think this movie did any of that. So what's interesting is you say superhero fatigue, quoting that line from that character who has literal superhero fatigue. He right. himself has fatigue from being a superhero. And I, you know, I resounded with Ben Mendelsohn in, in Captain Marvel because he's a family man, father, you know, trying to do right by his family. This guy I resounded with as well because he's <laughs> this older guy, got a little paunch in his belly. You know, and uh, yeah, he just, it, it's, it's a great movie. It is a, it is a great movie and you should watch it. Yeah. And I really liked how um, Peter B. taught Miles that he, in order to be a superhero, he has to step up to the responsibility and 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 be willing to take those risks. And then Miles comes back later and teaches Peter that same mm-hmm. thing. And mm-hmm. then Peter, when he can, well, I don't want to spoil, but, um, yeah. but I mean, it, there's just this really great play with the concept of who is the mentor. They're all the mentors. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, all the mentees, but that's life. You, you find that you learn from your children. You learn mm-hmm. from the, if you're a teacher, you learn from your students. Um, if you're a mentor, you learn from your mentees, you know, it, it's just, it's just life. And, and this movie reflected life well. And I, cannot praise it enough i often have a pig running around (laughs) (laughs) oh that bit with the mallet at the end oh yeah oh and don't forget the anvil (laughs) yeah Yeah. Uh, it could have failed this is you know it's the kind of thing that deadpool does it's the kind of thing that deadpool does but it's nicer and it's it's reverent and it's Mm -hmm. hey we're poking fun but we're not laughing at it we're laughing with it you know yeah. Yep. So, all right. I think that wraps it up. So, thanks. Thanks so much. Hanging out, talking about these movies. I love movies talking about movies. Fun. They are fun. They are. So, and talk with you guys later. Have a good talk one, to you ben. later. Bye.